Buddy, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't have enough. Sorry there, buddy. I think I cut you off. What were you saying? It's all right. I said I'm ready. I don't have anything to open, though. <laughs> I got a liquid IV over here. I'm a little dehydrated, so. Oh, yeah? No, no, you no cervezas tonight. No? Why are you dehydrated? I don't know, man. I, I have a, I don't, I, won't, I don't want to say it's like a medical issue or anything, but I really, really have to watch my hydration. So yeah. I keep liquid IV in there. If I don't drink like three or four big glasses or bottles of water a day, I'll start cramping up at night. Um, I don't know. I think it's just, I, I've had a lot of stomach issues in the past. But I, I just I have to be like super duper hydrated. Like on tournament, when I have a tournament coming up, oh, I'll yeah. start drinking a liquid IV like starting on Tuesday and drink one every single night um, until tournament day. And then I take two with me on tournament day and I drink a big bottle of water before I go just to make sure I don't start cramping up. And hell, that's just when I'm using the motor. <laughs> that, ain't even, <laughs> that ain't even when I, I'm using the pedal drive, man. So you I know, stay super hydrated. You know, it's crazy. When I was in college and high school, I used to drink a lot and party a lot. And just like, what you, I like, like I've mentioned a thunder a thousand times on my podcast. I used to live in Puerto Rico and Caribbean Island. It like, especially college life that was from Tuesday to Sunday party. Like, and I would have to drink a lot of water. Yeah. To keep up because you know, man, that 3 a.m., you know, leg cramping up your calf. Oh, that's painful, buddy. <laughs> I lost Drew, everybody. But anyways, it'll give me a chance for anybody that's just joining us on the live show. Welcome to The Real Life. It's your buddy, your boy Armando. We got a great show for you today. We got uh, Drew Turner from the uh, Paddler's Playbook. He is writing solo this year, and I'm a big fan of his podcast. So I decided to bring him on, and we're going to be talking about the differences between Freshwater, mainly bass, and saltwater fishing, not deep saltwater fishing. We're not talking about going for marlins and tuna, but just like March. Like basically the difference between the cultures and bass fishing and red fishing. Kind of like that's, you know, that differences. There's a lot of cultural differences between those two types of fishing, even though it's both kayak fishing. But it's very interesting how some things are accepted on one circles and the other ones are not. So we're going to be talking about that. It should be a great conversation and maybe we'll hurt some feelings talking about the differences between one and the other. But if you are watching on, on the live show, feel free to share on Facebook or we're also on YouTube. So whichever you are watching, share the link. Also, if you're listening to our our podcast our audio our mp3 on spotify or apple Podcasts. we do appreciate it if you could give us your review and your um feedback on it we will really appreciate it. it really does help out with the growth of the podcast so anyways welcome back to what happened I, i'm back i don't know i mean it's thundering like crazy out here i have fiber and i mean it's telling me i got 100 megabytes per second so i mean we should be good I'm not getting the little I'm not getting the little bad signal sign up here by the live or anything like that that you normally get well, with StreamYard. So hopefully it was just 
some interference. It was in the lightning. one time thing, and we're yeah, ready I to hope so. roll. But if I if I go again, that means I lost power because it is thundering like crazy. That storm oh, yeah? that rolled through you guys probably yesterday afternoon hit down here last night. Jesus Christ! I don't know if you guys got any crazy weather, but it was we had booming, it, booming. We had it like. I think earlier this week, I came home, I think on Sunday, I came home and it was hail on the ground. I was like, ah, I didn't know we had hail. Yeah, it held here yesterday. So, oh yeah, big hail or just Damn. not, not crazy big. Nothing you needed to call your roofer about. Or you, or Mariner sales because you ruined your kayak. Do you keep your kayak undercover? I, I, they're in the garage. So I have a three kayak rack that I keep them in there on wheels and, I have the pegboards on each side so I can put baits and put everything that I need on that board. That way, whenever I unload or whenever I'm loading the autopilot into the truck, I can just roll the cart up to the truck and pull it off of there and the same thing going back. That way I don't have to carry that big heavy sucker uh, anywhere other than off my truck to the ground into the water. Are you like me that puts more emphasis on your kayak than your truck like my truck lives outside <laughs> oh yeah kayaks yeah. go in the garage yeah the kayaks <laughs> definitely get cleaned more than the truck as well um never once ha- have i cleaned my kayak and i probably should oh see that's well, you're I'm in different. salt water too yeah i kind of so have to because i have to clean everything i mean it's not like scrubbing cleaning like everything at least has to be sprayed off with the water hose before it goes back into the garage now i do pressure wash everything that i go fishing with about every two to three trips so uh, every third trip like i'll pull out the pressure washer and i get down and spray the marine mat and spray out my net and really spray the motor or the pedal drive um spray my reels off really really well but about every three trips you really have to cleanse all of your fishing gear even my kayak cushion and like everything gets gets pressure washed everything that comes out of the garage goes back except for the battery i ain't spraying the battery (laughs) yeah you don't want to spray that one well there you go that's one of the differences we have you know we we let that mojo kind of like get into the hole and fertilize and all that you guys Oh yeah, it It bugs me to death seeing kayaks with like a scum line going around for where they hadn't been washed. I'm like, you need to wash that, like clean your stuff. But then I, you know, have to remember it's fresh water. They, I mean, it's not going to tear anything up really. Like that's what everything's designed for. No, not at all. Um, well, that's the main, what's the one big difference we have between saltwater and fresh water. Like I was saying when you, um, uh, lost connection. We are going to be talking about the differences mainly between bass fishing and red fishing and some other stuff. We will, you know, we'll dive into trout fishing and flounder and all that. But I think, what do you think it's made? You've done both tournaments for saltwater and tournaments for bass fishing. As far as tournaments, what do you think is the biggest kind of like two, difference in two, culture? There's two differences, and I, I don't know if it's differences in culture, but just differences in rules that are the biggest difference between a freshwater tournament and a bass tournament. And what was hard for me from doing saltwater so long was the proximity in which you fish 
to another angler that's in the tournament or just another angler, period. Like, really? There's rules in the freshwater tournaments. Like, I fished some of the North Texas stu- stuff for, for Duke last year. Um, and the rules say that you cannot be within 10 yards of another angler. Like, that's what his rules say. And I was like, 10 yards? Jesus Christ. The rules for a saltwater, like I fished the Galveston Redfish series, the rules for that, you cannot be within a hundred yards of another team. Wow. Now, you have to be within a hundred yards of your teammate uh, in this. So, theoretically, if someone is on a shoreline and you are a hundred yards from them, then the other team has to be a hundred yards from them. You really. You know, with one teammate, the other team has to be 200 yards from that other teammate that is on the shoreline, um, or you could be disqualified. So that was one of the biggest changes and the things that I had to get used to was people fishing so close to you or even, like, going behind you or anything like that. So in saltwater tournaments, like, if someone's within talking distance to you, you're like, man, they are way too close. Unless you called them in or you knew it or you talked at the launch and you were like, hey, guys, yeah. I really want to fish this area. Can you guys leave this alone in the morning? And we've had to do that before. Um, but that also rolls into the other thing that I think is, you know, is a huge difference is a lot of the freshwater tournaments now have went to de- the designated launch points where you can launch 95% of saltwater tournaments. You can launch wherever you want. As long as most of them are just like within Texas, like some of them have boundaries that are like a three hour stretch of coast. Um, You can launch wherever you want. You just can't launch till a certain time or you can't have lines in until a certain time. And you just have to be back to weigh ins by two or three o'clock so you can fish three hours away if you want to fish three hours away you just got to make it back to weigh-ins by the time you know weigh-in time is over um and that is completely different than what you guys do where you're launching from maybe eight to ten launch points we are trying our best to find locations where nobody else is launching from because you don't want to be around anybody else and the big thing of you know why that why that is there is a lot less redfish per acre of water compared to bass yeah now i tried to find you know i did a little research and i was trying to find some numbers and i could not find any numbers so this is purely just a guess on the redfish side in texas uh it is 15 bass per acre 14 inches or below in like 14.2 bass per acre for a 15-inch bass or above. Now, that that doesn't seem like a whole, whole ton of fish until you're looking at a 20,000-acre lake, you know. Um, then that's a, that's a lot of freaking bass. Now, I would guess just from experience being in water clear enough where you're sight casting at fish, like you can literally see – all the way across the whole back lake. You can see the fish and run into the fish. I would think there's probably five 
on a good area, five redfish per acre of water, maybe less than that, maybe three or four. So the huge difference that I, I think it is is you're not fishing as close to people because there's definitely not as many redfish to be caught in any specific area. That makes sense. And also the vastness, obviously the vastness of, 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 you know, the, the ocean compared to a lake. I don't care how big the lake is. Unless you're talking about, you know, the great lakes up there in Michigan and Illinois and all that. But other than that, even Sam Rabin doesn't compare to, you know, the one of the biggest lakes we have in Texas compared to, you know, the vastness of the marshlands down there. I think going back to the, you know, the new rule changes that are in place were launch designated launch. That's the other thing is the, the, that mentality to have everyone in the same body of water versus somebody just going up a Creek um, and just being like, whatever, X amount of miles mm-hmm. away from the main body of Lake, which kind of, I know a lot of people have different takes on that, but you know, but the vast majority seem to have complained about it. And that's why the rule changes are always just like everybody launched from, you know, not the same launch, but mainly everybody should launches. launch on the main lake or a designated boat ramp. Do you have now? I know with you guys in the marsh, there's the low tide and the high tide. Mm-hmm. And I bring this point up because there had to be really specific changes to what is considered um Oh, God, I forgot the word that I'm looking for. Oh, just leaving your kayak and walking. Oh, my God. Portaging. Portaging. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. So, you know, there's specific rules now. It Portaging, portaging has always been, uh, I guess, banned or not allowed in bass fishing tournaments. But then there was the, well, we had to, for whatever reason, we had to define what was portaging, right? And it's gone to a point where now if your kayak is any part of the hull that's supposed to be on water, it's actually on dry land, whether it's just going over a trunk or something. Um, and I think that's been streamlined across all three major trails, uh, Hobie, BOS, KBF, and the Bassmaster Kayak Series. What are the rules for portaging? Is If it's, it's allowed, because I know you have to deal yeah. with low tide and high tide. It's the Wild West, like... Most most saltwater redfish tournament because I I hardly ever fish anything but redfish. So most, and this is just in Texas, like they have different rules, different places. But most of the redfish tournaments here, some of them do have, um, do have defined borders where you could fish. But like I said earlier, it's like the border is like three bay systems. So if the tournament is in Galveston, like the border may be Sabine to West Matagorda, which is like a huge expansion of of places that you can fish. Now, you can portage as much as you want. Most of the rules for things like that are you must launch at a publicly accessible launch point. So you can't launch at any private property. You can't have special permission to launch there, which is the same, you know, in the bass world. But yeah. it's but you can launch at the side of the road. Like 
you could launch up a creek way down. As long as a public road goes there and you can leave your car there without it getting towed and somebody else can launch from that same point, you can launch there. You can fish any public water. So it, the rules usually state any Texas public water within the set boundaries, or some tournaments don't have any boundaries, and it also states that it has to be inside the jetties. So you can't go out the jetty. You can't sit there and fish the jetties all day um, and just pick off, you know, big red fish and sort through over there. You have to fish inshore uh, inside the jetties. But you can portage as much as you want as long as you're still in public water, what would be considered public water. What about, uh, that brings me to another point, and... I, I'll ask what what about motors? I don't have a problem with bass uh, kayak bass tournaments having motors. I do have the opinion that once you put a motor into it, it's no longer a kayak. That's just my personal opinion. Not hating on anybody. I'm not, I'm okay with Bassmasters kayak series having uh, motors allowed. I'm okay with KBF having motors allowed. I don't have any problem. Just my personal opinion. It's no longer a kayak, but. What about uh, motors on type of tournaments? So it's it's about 50-50 still right now. So there are a few tournament series that allow them and a few tournament series that is human-powered only. And I am personally on the fence about that. And I, I've talked about it on, I think I was on Bat, Bass and Brews, we talked about it a little bit. But I am, I'm kind of torn because these are kayak tournaments. So I think you have to look at it in two different ways. Do you want to find out in this tournament who the best angler is who fishes out of a kayak? So that would be, to me, tournaments that allow motors. Because you're taking out some of the complexities of trying to figure out, hey, can I go all the way over there? Can I come back? Um, you know, setting up your kayak certain ways just a little bit. But I think it's more, is it a angler's tournament who fish out of kayaks? And then the other side is, if you're not going to allow motors, it's more of a which kayaker is the best angler. So which are you trying to find out? Do you want to see which kayaker is the best angler, or do you want to see which angler is the best out of a kayak? And that's where I think I'm like six of one, half a dozen of another right now because the main one that I fish is the GRS, which doesn't allow motors, but it's really nice to fish Saltwater Survival Series, which allows motors, and at the end of the day, I'm not freaking dying. Like, yeah. it's just, it, it's a difference in the grind. So if mm -hmm. you allow motors, it's less of a grind. It, I mean, it really is. Like, if you have a motor on your kayak, it is less of a grind to get from spot A to spot B. You're not as tired. You can tie lures on, you know, as you're going. You can really search the water and really look. I mean, you're not exerting as much physical energy. Um, you, you, to me, I'm more mentally clear Whenever I'm using my motor. Now, whenever I'm using my pedals, 
it's more of a grind. I'm exerting more energy. I can do less stuff moving from place to place, so I have to be a little bit more prepared. I'm actually casting a little bit less because, you know, I'm using my I'm using my hand to turn left, turn right, everything else. Well, with my motor, I'm just like I can use my feet to just turn back and forth with my rudder and my motor um, so I can cast more. So it's just it's a difference in whether to me, whether you want to find out who the best kayaker is, that's also an angler or if you want to find out who the best angler is out of a kayak. And I know it's semantics, but I mean, you kind of understand where I'm coming from with the, with the differences in the two. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm, I still like the kind of like up the ante, like if put that physical challenge in place, I, I enjoy it. Um, but I mean, again, I don't hate on anybody that I don't frown upon. I don't look down on anybody that's using a motor. If you want to use a motor in the tournaments alive, by all means, use it. I'm not, I'm not intimidated by it. Um, but I just enjoy that challenge of, and I also think, you know, if you don't have a motor, you are more forced to be a better angler in the sense that like, all right, well, I can't move from one spot to another as much. So whatever spot, whatever, you know, five, 10 mile radius, I can make it in eight hours. I need to make the most of it. Therefore I need to be better at it. That's my opinion. That's why I think it's, it, it, it ups the ante. It makes you a better angler. But again, no, we're splitting here. See, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah, hate yeah. upon anybody. It, it's what? it's like I said, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. I don't mind fishing in tournaments that don't allow motors. It's a different type of challenge than the ones that do. Um, I will I will tell you though, when it was blowing twenty five, and I was fishing a tournament, like I'm so glad that it was one that we could use our motors in. Like that, I wasn't dying whenever we got back to take pictures. Like you can look at my pictures too, because when I get tired, like I start to get a lazy eye. Like I'm really, <laughs> really tired. My left eye gets all crooked. If you look at the pictures from weigh-ins on my Facebook, you can tell the ones I used the motor in and the ones I didn't. <laughs> like there's a there's a marked difference in the look on my face uh, when we're sitting there holding redfish. You know, it's funny because. I remember Lake Darnell, excuse me, I fished uh, for that Hobie BOS tournament and day two after three days of practice and just looking for fish practice was tough. Couldn't really get a, you know, I had to like pedal a lot in practice. So day one was like, that's halfway through the day. I'm, I only got like one fish. And it's one of those things where you're like, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. But then you get your first, yeah, that second bite for me, that big bite. I think it was like a 19 and three quarter inch. And it's funny how your brain just automatically switches. And it's like you took this huge energy shot and there's no way. You're just riding on adrenaline. And you're it's taking all that, that adrenaline man. wave, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's all that dopamine that just hits your head. You're like, oh, exactly. yes, this is it. This is what I came out here for. This is why I've sit here and embraced the suck to, to catch this fish right here. Now, on live tournaments for red fishing, do you guys, like I've seen the pictures you guys post, and I've never done any of these tournaments. Do you guys um, and girls, do you take the fish to the way you actually it's yeah, not cpr you have right to bring it, yeah you have to bring them to the weigh-ins 
Still here in Texas, our redfish population is healthy enough where we have, you know, we have tons of live weigh-in tournaments and people actually like the live weigh-in tournaments better because redfish are very, very, very hardy fish. Um, some folks pull them on stringers all day and they they stay alive. We carry a, a live well system in the kayak. Um, it has a recirculating pump in there. Um, I don't, well, I guess I can give away some juice. So we also have a sump pump that is connected to the live well. That way we throw the sump pump in, suck out the old water, and then we hook the sump pump up to the side, throw it over the side of the kayak and pump in brand new water. So we can recirculate all the water in the live well in like three minutes and just completely refill that live well so the fish do not die or they don't have to worry about being in um, hot, hot water um, here in the Texas summertime. Yeah. Um, throw a little G-juice in there, but we we never have fish die in the live well. Like, they, they stay alive, and we release them after we weigh in. That's my question. At, the, at, the, at the weigh-in spot, yeah. And if they don't have um, – if they don't make it and people bring in dead fish, a lot of the tournaments take the meat, they fillet it out, and then they take it to a uh, shelter for them to, you know, cook with or use it or some type of food pantry or something like that. Do they disqualify the angler or disqualify the fish for the angler? If they don't no, you get a, a penalty. Well, so each tournament is different. If you bring in a dead fish, it's either – if you bring in a live fish, it's either you get a half pound added to your weight per live fish or you get a half pound deducted for your weight per dead fish. So if you bring in two dead fish, you could be, you know, uh, a pound taken off your final weight. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, so you always want to bring in live fish because the you know some some tournaments come down to like point two pounds between the winner and second place and third place and being in the money. Interesting, and I know I'm not I'm not even gonna ask you specific on it because I don't want to dive too much into this, but in 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 this question in particular, but there is slot limits, right? It's not like mm -hmm. bass fishing where you can get as big as bass as you. Can yep. over there, you, I, I think, well, you go ahead. You 20, 20 to 28 inches. So it has to be in between 20 and 28 inches to be inside the slot. And you cannot weigh in a fish over 20 inches and you can't weigh in a fish. I mean, over 28 inches and you cannot weigh in a fish under 20 inches. So that is, uh -huh, go ahead. that's the hard part is if you're, Redfish hang out with fish the same size as as them. Um, so if you start running into some 29-inch fish, which are overs, if you fish there, you may find a 27 and 3 quarter inch fish, which is what you want. You want a 27 and 5 eighths or 15 sixteenths fish uh, to take to weigh-ins. But you can have a great day catching redfish and catch 10 23 inch fish but you're only bringing two into weigh-ins and that's not going to do you much i mean that's going to be like seven pounds worth of fish that's that's not enough to to place it all or, or get you in the money for anything and it's still five bag limit or is it like two no oh, two bag it's limit. two oh. some are three some are three but it's usually just two and it's a team so you and your partner are bringing in one fish a piece 
I mean, but your partner could carry the weight and catch both both, both of the fish, and those are just the two that you weigh in. But some are some are three fish. Hardly ever is it beyond three fish. Um, because they also, in these team tournaments, they allow you to fish as an individual, and the Texas limit is you cannot keep more than three fish in your possession for redfish, so it, they usually just keep it at two. Interesting. What about, um, I noticed uh, when I went to um, South Padre Island, I, I did a, a fishing guide, and I noticed over there they're big on, and I've heard you on your podcast talk about, you know, how in saltwater it's, you know, there's live baits, you know, yeah, versus, there's a lot of people, that throw you know, bait. and crappy fishing, catfish, catfish, obviously gar fishing for those who do that. Um, it's live bait or at least dead bait. You know, yeah, one or dead the other. bait, dead uh, live, dead live, fresh bait, dead. Know. So on bottom bass, that's really frowned upon. Like you don't you get no credit for catch. Well, in tournaments you can't do it, mm-hmm. and if you catch one on, you know, on whatever on, on live on live bait or dead bait, you really don't get any credit. You know. Yeah, they don't say you're that. a great fisherman for that. You know exactly. So on tournaments, you they do allow for uh, redfish. They do allow live baits. No, no. Okay. So some some of the big boat tournaments. Um, we'll have an open division where you can use live bait or you can use artificial or anything like that. But for almost every single saltwater tournament, some of the like Toys for Tots tournaments will just be, they just want as many people to participate as they want for those type of tournaments. And they'll do um, live bait. But as far as like Galveston Redfish Series, Pro Redfish League, like all of those, it is strictly... Um, artificials and even some um, like the elite kayak series um, they do stuff in Florida Louisiana and Texas they will not even let you use scent that was derived from um, a living creature like you can't use very specific yeah (laughs) you can't use procure because procure actually has shrimp oil in it or menhaden oil in it um, you cannot use those type that actually have like biologically real sense in them um, on your soft plastics or on any of your lures for that tournament. Now, most tournaments are not that specific. Like you can use Procure, you can use Gulp, you can use everything like that as long as it is an artificial lure. Interesting. So, so all the tournaments we do is it, it's all artificial. Um, there's a Toys for Tot one in December that's a open, but we still fish it and just use artificials. And on not the tournament, but just, uh, you know, fishing for fun or even fishing for uh, cook, uh, you know, catch and release and catch and cook. Is do anglers that use mostly artificial lures round upon or look down on anglers that use live no. bait? No, not for fun fishing. Like, it's it's whatever for fun fishing. Now, one thing that is a big controversy is with the trout guys, and that is using live croaker for big trout. Um, big speckled trout really love croaker, and the trout 
the the size of the trout and the trout population has been diminishing a little bit with the freezes. They're not as hardy as redfish. Most of the trout tournaments now are CPR trout tournaments where they actually uh, send you with a scale and you weigh the, you know, you have somebody or you have to go live with them and show them the weight of the fish before you release it. Um, so the trout population is had a decline, but they're they're definitely not as hardy. And the trout fishermen, especially the guides and stuff like that, are very up in arms about the number of people, they call them croaker soakers, that are soaking croaker during the summertime for big trophy trout. Um, that seems to be the thing that catches the biggest trout other than lures during the wintertime. But there is some pushback on all the people soaking croaker because you also have bait, um, bait, you know, bait, um, I don't want to say bait boats that are out there with their nets trying to catch all the croaker to sell as bait, which takes away natural croaker from the redfish and the, uh, and the trout to naturally eat. So there's a big stink about that, too, that, hey, you're killing our croaker population which is diminishing the number of trout that we're catching and they're not getting as big so that is kind of a point of emphasis for a lot of people on the coast that really go after trout but i don't like those slimy damn things i don't i don't don't go after trout hardly at all that's interesting because i went to south Padre island i want to say uh three summers ago and and the guy that we paid um, yeah, he was big on croakers, like, and we were catching them left to right. And he, he was telling me how he, in the morning, he got up, you know, netted, you know, cast net, got a bunch of croakers and that's how we were catching them. And at one point I told him, Hey, do you have any like artificial lures? And his eyes light up like, you want artificial lures? Like, yes. Like, yes, that is what I like. <laughs> you know, he was like, he was like, definitely. You should have said that before. Like, I'm like, yeah, no, man, I'm not, you know, it was great, but I wasn't feel like I wasn't accomplish anything. Like, there's one thing, it's fun to catch them, right? But I myself didn't feel like I accomplished anything because I was, I mean, every single cast, I would just throw the croaker in and I get a bite. It was like almost almost instantly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is kind of boring. Um, do you have any, you know, artificial lures? And then we switched to artificial lures. We still caught them. But yeah, I didn't know that that was like really frowned upon. Um, funny story is I'm so used to, bass you know lip and bass i found out the hard way you can should not lip saltwater trout no no they have two big fangs right there in the front i I found out the hard way yeah you shouldn't lip redfish either like you don't see redfish teeth but redfish have teeth like they have like legit teeth if you pull pull their gums back like you don't you don't want to lip that and then have them Um, come down on you and also people don't realize flounder have the gnarliest mouth out of all of the you know main three redfish flounder and trout like they have rows of very sharp teeth that can really grab a hold of you and they are not shy about getting a hold of your thumb and thrashing like i use my fish grips all the time my brother only uses bogus like as soon as I get the fish in the boat, the fish grips go in the mouth. Like, and that, that is it. 
Yeah, I have fish rips. I hardly ever use them for bass fishing. But yes, definitely. I learned the hard way on that one, for sure. They'll get you. Like yeah. they they and they'll they'll clamp you get a redfish clamp down on your finger, like remember, like they crush they crush crab and everything else. Like they they ain't playing. They do have crushers down in their gullet though, but I mean they'll still It'll hurt. <laughs> you you yeah. won't you won't want it to happen again. You'll pull out those fish grips and pay that twelve ninety nine or however much a pair of fish grips cost. Well, now I haven't bought any in like five years, so they're probably up to like seventy two dollars with inflation right now. Two things I learned also from catfish. First of all, they do have that little pad that is like just a bunch of micro teeth. I had, I lipped, I was trying to get the hook out of the mouth and that thing just bit on me and I was bleeding a lot through that thumb. Um, and first channel catfish, I was, uh, what do you call it? Tube fishing. When you get on a little tube and you know, you get your fins and you start paddling and man, I had the worst. I had that. Um, I didn't know this, that catfish have the, on their pectoral fins, mm-hmm. side fins. They have that little, and it's actually, I read up on it. It's actually venomous to a certain degree. Not that it's going to kill you, Mm -hmm. but they have that hollow needle. Man, it cut me right on the knuckles. I couldn't fully close my hand for like a month. I'm not even joking. I have, I can't remember the last time I felt so much pain because it it got me right in the knuckle. The, the small ones are the worst. Like yes. the hardhead catfish down here, like those little ones, they are the worst. Like it stings. There's bacteria in Dude. there. Like that's and honestly, that is one of the reasons why I don't really enjoy throwing live bait is there's so many quote unquote trash fish that you catch with bait, um, that you catch with shrimp, that you catch with mullet, that you catch with croaker. Um you're you're catching whiting, you're catching croaker, you're catching hardhead, you're catching tiny trout, you're catching sand trout. Like when you're doing that, and plus the cost, like a pint of shrimp is expensive now. I mean, you're paying like twenty two dollars for a quart of shrimp. Like it's it's. I'm and, making a salad or a taco out of that. I'm telling man, you. Right yeah, now. I mean that's twenty two <laughs> bucks. That's like three packs of gulps. Like that'll. <laughs> That'll last. That'll last me two trips. If I'm like, buying shrimp. I'm cooking it, not giving it back to the ocean. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just to for for guides and people that want to come down and just they don't have as much time and they just want to catch some fish. That's the easiest thing to do is yeah. just throw some dead shrimp out there on the bottom on a little fish finder rig, you know, and, and just bloop, throw it out there with some dead shrimp. I mean, it's like a drop shot. Hook up a drop shot, and for if you guys just are coming to the beach and you know how to fish a drop shot, go buy some dead shrimp, get a little bigger hook, get like a 2 ot kale hook, and put a dead shrimp on a drop shot and throw it out there, and you're going to catch fish. Like, that, you are, you're going to catch trash fish, and you may catch redfish by accident, but you're going to sit there and catch fish. That reminds me. That's the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about. What is... So what is the perspective on forward-facing sonar? Is that frowned upon? Is that, and I'm assuming, uh, I mean, it's, first of all, is it very even useful 
when you're fishing in the marsh where it's so shallow. Do, no, not, do, not in the places do that I fish. Yeah. Not in the places that I fish. Now, for trout fishermen, during certain times of the year when the fish move to deeper water, um, it's a little more relevant. I know some guys that have been using it along structure to find schools of trout that way. Um, but for my style of fishing, I am hardly ever in an area more than three feet deep. Yeah. Like it, it, I'm traveling, I'm in the back lakes. I'm literally looking for signs of redfish and casting at them. Like I'm looking for wakes. I'm looking for shrimp popping. I'm looking for bait scattering. And then I am making as precise of a cast as I can to that area or where I could kind of tell the wake was going and trying to get that in front of that fish. Um, so I'm using, we use no electronics at all, like that, nothing. Not even a depth finder, fish finder. Well, obviously not. No, there's finder, people nothing. that do, though. Like, don't get me wrong. There's people that fish in deeper water, eight, nine foot of water, uh, in, ch- in channels along the intercoastal canal that do use um, sonar. You know, some of them are using side scan uh, along rivers. Um where the water starts to get brackish, where they dump into the ocean or they dump into a bay, and they're using side scan to find uh, redfish because you can see some redfish on side scan. So people are doing it. It's just not the type of fishing that I enjoy. I enjoy using all of my senses um, to catch fish because we're, like I said, we're in two, three foot of water, and I'm literally – listening for fish like i'm listening for bait busting behind me around the corner i'm i'm listening for the sound of scared mullet hitting the water because i'm like okay there is redfish somewhere on this shoreline and i am going to find them and then i'm looking for wakes and looking for everything else so i don't use any forward-facing sonar i know there's some people that are starting to use it for trout in some of our deeper areas. I know, I remember, I think it was on your podcast where I heard somebody describe red fishing as more of compared to hunting, Mm -hmm. like more compared to deer hunting than it is compared to bass fishing. To me, it's more stalking. Yeah. To me, it's more stalking, but there are, there are, and I don't want to say that every type of red fishing is like this because you can also go to deeper water, find like eddies um, where the current's going around some rocks, like close to the jetties or some bayous where the bayou is dumping into the bay. Um, you can find some different areas and you can post up there and wait for the tide to start changing, um, for the bait to start moving out of certain areas and the redfish follow. And you can sit there and you can pick off fish. But that's very boring to me. Like, yeah. I do not like posting up and just sitting there and fish. I used to do that. I used to find marsh drains, drains from the back lakes, and just post up, throw, 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 in the same area all day long. And I did have some success, but I've had more success by almost constantly being on the move. And then... Whenever we notice that 
hey, the tide is moving, we go to those pinch points um, where we know water is leaving an area, and then we, you know, hit that hard for, you know, as the tide is really ripping, hit that hard, hit that hard, and then we go move out, and then we're moving, 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 looking, looking, looking for, you know, the whole eight hours of the tournament. What about, do you, and do you even do, uh, like, deep water salt kayak I've been offshore. Yeah, I've been offshore. I don't really do any of those tournaments anymore. Um, they only have a few now for offshore. There's a big one out of Florida, Extreme Kayak Fishing. Um, they have the Selfish Smackdown every year, and that's, like, way deep down into Florida. And that's just too far of a drive for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, like, two days to get down to the bottom of Florida. But there's people who do that Selfish Smackdown. There's also a, and I'm going to screw it up, it's like the Ray Del Ray tournament in Corpus Christi where they go offshore and they have a, it's a two day. So they do offshore one day, inshore the next. So it's like a kingfish, uh, red snapper, whatever you can bring in for the largest weight offshore fish. And then it's a redfish day the next day. I want to do that. I just don't get offshore too too much the the weather window has to be really really yeah. good in order to go offshore in a kayak and i got kids at home you know i've got a 13 year old a 10 year old and an eight year old that need a dad around yeah so i just don't do stuff like that anymore there's plenty of people that do i that's just not my thing i'd rather go to the marsh and just sight cast yeah. redfish I love watching uh, Chris Crossman for Next Level Fishing TV. I'm like, good lord, that is, that's out there with you know the oil rigs and all yeah, that. That is that it, that can get gnarly pretty but, quick. But this is the thing about Chris. Chris lives in Corpus. Yeah, he lives there. It's not a drive for him. So if the weather window looks good on a Wednesday or something, and he can move his work around, he can go out on just a Wednesday. Where for me, it's a two and a half hour drive, a two hour drive. And to get to Corpus, like that's a four and a half, five hour drive for me to get down to Corpus. And I just can't schedule it to be on flat water days. I'll go out there in, in flat water, like no problem. I just don't feel like flipping my kayak on reentry or getting out there in the rolling waves. And I don't know. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, even on a rough day on the lake. Like, I've gotten out, drove home, and been just fine, and then you get in the shower, and you close your eyes, and it feels like you're still on the dang water. Yeah. <laughs> like, my whole shower is moving. Like, and that's just from days on the lake. Now, if you go offshore, like, it is really bad. Like, the whole yeah. time you close your eyes, you still feel like you're moving when you spend 12 hours in a kayak offshore. Um, I did it fairly often. Six, seven years ago, um, they had a tournament that everybody always went to um, down there. It was the Blue Water Kayak Classic. And it was more of a party than it was a, a kayak tournament because it would be probably 150 guys. And most of the guys were camping out on the beach and half of them didn't even make it out to the water uh, for the tournament. And that's no joke. Like, I'm not I'm not joking. Half of them didn't make it out for the tournament the next day. It was just more like a hangout. 
But as as you get older, like you start taking less chances with everything. Like you start to drive slower, you start to eat better, you don't go out five miles in a kayak and fifteen mile an hour winds with rough seas. Like I just don't do it anymore. That that whole partying and not getting on the water sounds like something our uh, friend in common, uh, Ryan Lunch Money Lambert, probably enjoy, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. He would love it, man. He would love it. It's, it's, Definitely. It's fun. But, yeah, I don't, I don't do any of those tournaments anymore. I do want to – the biggest tournament, kayak tournament period, is the Ride the Bull in Louisiana. If your listeners don't know about Ride the Bull, look up Ride the Bull. I mean, you guys think that 250 in the Hobie B.O., you know, B.O.S. is a a big deal. They got like 300 people that show up for this every single year. What's the first place payout for something like that? Oh, man, I don't don't think it's huge. I think it's like five grand and a kayak. That's it? It, it, But it's more because it's for CCA. So it's a a Louisiana CCA tournament. Um, what does that mean? The so CCA is the Coastal Conservation Association. Um, there's big tournaments that they have every year for different CCA because redfish in Texas. The reason we have such a great population, like this, is one of the best places in the world to catch redfish. Yeah. Um, we stop. I say stock. They release about 3 million hatchlings into Texas public waters every year through the CCA. So they have their own hatcheries. Um, I have a podcast episode on it if you guys want to go check out the Paddler's Playbook and then look for the CCA with Shane Bonet. Um, He used to run the hatchery, so we talked to him. But they also have what's called the Star Tournament. I don't know if you're familiar with the CCA Star Tournament. They tag... I don't know anything about saltwater tournaments. Yeah, well, they tag. That's why you're here. <laughs> they tag 125 fish uh, per year, and the first 10 people who catch those fish get a F-150 in a boat for the first. Holy crap! For the first five, and then the next five, they just get the a boat. Um, now they do have a for kids. They have like. A $50,000 scholarship. Hold up. Let me stop you right there. When you say a boat, we're talking about a kayak or a boat? No, a boat, boat. boat. I'm talking about wow. like a boat, boat, a 22-foot blue wave or a 22-foot golf coast. Like, it's a boat, boat. But you're also fishing against, you know, a million people. Like, it, it's only $50 to enter, and it runs from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Um, so if you catch that tagged redfish or a tagged redfish in between those times, then you can go enter. But they also have, like, a biggest trout, uh, biggest sheephead, biggest gaff top. Um, They have some offshore categories for, like, biggest dorado and biggest kingfish. And I think the the trout, the sheephead, and the gaff top, they also give away a boat to whoever catches the biggest that year. But that this that's like a huge tournament that anybody that has a fishing license, you can enter that. You can fish from wherever and try to catch one of those tag redfish. That is crazy. Wow. It's, well, it's you pretty go. awesome. I'll give 
props to I always give props to the Texas Wildlife Department. I mean, they are big on you know just water conservation, yep. wildlife, um, especially fishing, man. Even bass, redfish, trout—they always out there just like really making sure it's healthy at least as much as they can you know and having those big trophy bass and redfish you know available for future generations and that's awesome yeah i mean they, they you can tell the government here really really puts emphasis on that and how you shout out to them okay i gotta ask you go ahead i'm sorry oh no i was just gonna say like our our fisheries in texas for saltwater redfish are in awesome shape Yep. Um, Louisiana is, is starting to have a turn because they're not seeing the type of numbers, but their limits are very, very lim- like you can keep if you can catch a redfish in Louisiana, you can basically keep it. Like I think their limits are like 15 to 15 to 28 or something like that. Like they don't have to be very big. same thing with trout. Like you can keep 12 inch trout in in Louisiana. Um, but in Florida right now, there are you have a one redfish limit per day. You can only keep one redfish per day in most parts of Florida. In some parts, you cannot keep a single redfish at all because the redfish populations are hurting so bad. Um, same thing in North Carolina and South Carolina. Like their redfish populations, I listened to a few different podcasts, and one guy is out of South Carolina. And they talk all the time about how they wish they had organizations like the Texas CCA and Texas Parks and Wildlife that are investing money yep. back into the fisheries like they do here. Because, like I said, they, they have the hatcheries. Um, they have the Sherlunker program. Like, they are trying to get large fish. They want people to come to Texas to fish. I mean, it's a tourism thing. It's an economy yep. thing. And... We get to reap the benefits living here um, on their hard work. So any chance that I can get to support the CCA or uh, fish in a CCA tournament like that CCA Louisiana that ride the bull, like that's that I, I, I want to do that. And that tournament's crazy because literally you're in a pass with 300 people and you can fish live bay, you can catch whatever, and it's the biggest redfish that is weighed in is the winner and they have uh chase but or they have boats out there so you catch a fish you get it on the lap a boat pulls up to you it weighs it and writes down your name and how big it was and they put it right back in the water but it is hundreds of people the hardest thing about fishing ride the bull is finding lodging anywhere close to fish the tournament <laughs> like because it's yeah. out of grand isle so there they ain't, ain't a lot out of grand isle once you get 300 kayakers down there yeah, I bet. Not for that many people. All right, before I let you, you know, do your plugins and that, one one more that I need to ask. Snagging. Is that as frowned upon in oh, yeah. redfish as it is in bass fishing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to snag anything. Most of the rules say that you have to catch the fish in the mouth. Like, there, there's no other... But- even outside of tournament, just like general redfish culture. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's the same. There, no snagging. That's that's not competitive. I'm the, of the opinion too. Like I don't like bow fishing at all. 
Like I just, ah, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like it. What really bothers me is in Louisiana, you can bow fish for game fish. So you can shoot redfish with a bow and arrow at night. That that bugs me to death. Now, I don't think you're a horrible person because you do it. I just would never do it. Same thing with gigging, though. Like, you can gig flounder. I don't. What's gigging? So you walk around at night with a lantern or a light or you're in a boat and then you stab the flounder on the bottom and put him in the boat. Yeah. I mean, it's just like spearfishing. I don't love it, but I also don't think you're a horrible human being because you do it. Now, if you do bow fishing and gigging and you just are a horrible human being, I probably don't like you. But like... (laughs) I just I don't agree with it, so I don't do it. Um, I want the fish to have a chance, and you can't catch and release when you're doing that. Yeah, obviously, I'm I'm of the mindset of whether it's salt or fresh water. If you're catch and cook, you feed your family or you feed yourself with it, and it's this is not a hobby. This is more like you feed yourself. I don't care whether you catch it snagging. Uh, bowl uh you know traditional life it you're feeding yourself you're feeding your family catches as however you want to well catch it i don't care that that's a different thing but if you catch and release then obviously yeah then i, I, I i'm with you i don't i understand there's this moral concept to me that you know i like i hate carp right Mm-hmm. But just because I hate it doesn't, you know, and I guess I don't care if somebody's bow fishing for carp because I don't care about carp. I think it's a plague. And if if that's what you're doing, if it's like controlling an invasive species, then that's fine. I'm okay with that too. You know, like mm-hmm. what I don't like to see sometimes is beautiful, what I consider beautiful, majestic animals. It's like five foot, six foot, a long garfish, you know, mm-hmm. gator gars. They're majestic are, animals. And people, people are just are like with bow and arrow. With yeah. bows. Like c- come on. That's not that's not even. I'm sorry, but that's not even a challenge. That go thing shoot is, a freaking is as big tree. A, like it, go it, shoot the tree. That's all you're doing. Yes. Like you're shooting a freaking tree. Like exactly. How, how hard is it? How hard is it to, you know, to, to me, I see that and I'm like. Again, if you're going to eat it, which in this case doesn't really apply because I think you can only get like, I can't remember the measurements, but I've read on the Texas Wildlife Department. You can only, you know, when it gets the gator guards, when it gets so big, I think you can only catch one. You can only take Mm -hmm. one home. So that whole idea of bow fishing for gars, I get it for a lot of people is trash fish, but there's a majestic beast that are like, you know, prehistoric animals. Of years old. Mediums yeah. years old, they're five, six. I've seen some like huge, like you said, it's a trunk. And you're out there with a bow. It's like, come on, man, anybody can do that. Give that to a 10-year-old kid, he'll be able to hit that garfish. I got that that I have problems with. But again, I, I, if we're talking about invasive species, go crazy on them. I have the most problem with wasting resources. Yeah. So if if you're going to shoot a bunch of fish and then waste it like i have a problem with that like why did you kill a living creature just to throw it in a dumpster or throw it in a big pile on the bank like i don't i don't agree with that at all 
Now, yeah. if it's and I'm even to the point, which which this is probably me being a little soft. Like I understand when softy. Yeah, I, I know. And I understand that the pigs and everything are tearing up people's crops and everything. But the people that just kill them and leave them out there just to rot and die. Like, I get it, but it still it bothers me a little bit. Like, I don't want to go do that, but I also understand why they do that to, you know, because it, it's it's protecting their fields and they're tearing stuff up. And I think that's also part of growing up a little bit is being okay with that. Like, I'm okay that people go out there and they kill invasive species or they go out there and they kill hogs because that's an invasive species as well, and they just leave it out there. But is that something that I would want to go do? No. No. I, I don't want to go do it. Like, I, again, I don't think you're a horrible person because you do it, but that's not something I would like to go do. But if you're killing stuff like gar, who they're not invasive, they they were here before probably humans yeah. were roaming around here. Why are we killing them for no reason? Now, if you're going to eat it, then so be it. Eat it. That That's fine. People have been eating gar. I'm sure... The I heard Native it's really Am- good, though. I'm sure the Native Americans were eating huge gar because that's a that's a big resource that they can get feed and a feed whole a whole family. bunch of people. I'm yeah. sure they were eating gar before us. So that's cool. Catch a gar, you eat a gar. Catch a gar and throw it on the bank just so it dies and the buzzards can eat it. That's when I start to think you're kind of a douchebag. Like I I don't want to I don't want to talk to people who waste resources. That the my and I and I watch one of my favorite uh, shows is Meat Eaters by Steve Brunella and I subscribe a lot to his I guess ideology you might say if I'm not eating it then I'm not killing it unless it represents a harm to me yes now I get it they they're ranchers they need to protect their you know their cattle from coyotes uh, even unfortunately mountain lions. Um, and I get it, and I'm okay with that. But people that just go out there and just my m- me personally, and whoever is listening is offended by this. I'm sorry if you're offended by this. But well, I'm not really sorry, but I'm not saying this to offend anybody. But I never can wrap my head around the idea of. I think, how do I phrase this? I'm not trying to be political, but sometimes when you know you know this, Drew, when when you're in a podcast, you kind of try to be sensitive to other people's. I'm just going to say how I feel it. If you're out there just killing something because you want a personal gratification of you killed something, I don't I I don't know what says that about you. Well, like yeah. I see people like like I mean, if you if you're be- like people that hunt like mountain lions. If it's because you need to protect your cattle and all that, and uh, first of all, if it's if it's if you're doing it the way that you know the, your state law says, that's one thing. If you're breaking the law, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. But even if you're going according to state law, and you're protecting your cattle, you're protecting your investment. That's fine. I can kind of understand it. I wish there was a better way, but I can kind of understand it. You know, I'm not the one losing 
thousands of dollars because of, uh, you know, mountain lion killing my cattle. And I know we're getting off topic here. But for those people, that say, I'm just going to go out there and hunt mountain lion because I want to be have a trophy. Mm-hmm. Something wrong with you. I'm sorry. I don't I don't yeah, get it. I don't I get it. I, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I think you you have a little bit of something wrong in your psyche that if if you're wanting to go kill something just as a trophy, then you you have some issues. Like, I mean, it, and if I, I go love hunting, a, yeah, I, 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 love, I fishing, love hunting, hunting, but I also like eating jerky, exactly, and, and redfish on the half shell. Like, uh, if I'm gonna keep a fish, that's what I'm gonna do with it. If I'm gonna kill a deer. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to make some jerky. We're going to have some deer spaghetti. Like, I, I, I'm okay with that. But the people who just kill stuff to kill stuff, like, you've got some serious soul searching that needs to happen. You need to go, <laughs> That's my opinion. And again, you need to go I, talk to a therapist. I would love to go hunting, like deer hunting, hog, but whatever I'm hunting, it's because I'm harvesting. Mm-hmm. That's my personal opinion. If anybody's going to get offended by that, then I'm sorry, but that's just yeah. my opinion. You can agree or disagree. And Anyways. I, oh, no, go no I got one more thing. Because now, now that we went down this rabbit now hole. Now that we went this rabbit hole. So <laughs> what, what gets me the most as far as that is concerned, and it could be I'm just ignorant and I don't know what kind of havoc they cause, but, like, people who hunt bobcats, like, how much havoc is a bobcat really, really causing? For you to go want to kill a bobcat. And that could be just me being ignorant and not knowing how much havoc they can cause. Or, you know, you got to protect your chicken. Like, <laughs> that just bothers me. Like, that That's the one animal that I'm just like, really? You're holding up a cat? Like, you're holding up a... That is barely bigger than my French bulldog. And you're, like, holding him up all happy about killing it for no freaking reason at all. If... And that's the other thing. That's better be the same people not complaining about nutria infestation or rodent infestation where you can go killing yeah. bobcats, which absolutely everything not that gonna... eats the mice that are yeah. complaining, the field mice that are coming into your house now when it gets cold. Like, that's what that thing was eating, man. That's like you going out and just shooting birds for no reason. Like, I don't know. Those, those people needed more hugs as kids. I'll say that. And true. Well, We've really gone a couple of rabbit holes, and I'm sure some people are going to be offended by some of the things that may be hurt, but whatever. It is what it is. Hopefully not too many. I want to give you a couple of minutes to shout out whoever you want to shout out and plug in. You know, where can people follow you, listen to you, and what's next for the Paddler's Playbook? I just check out the Paddler's Playbook on any um podcast platform that that you listen to i mainly only take care of the facebook and instagram if you want to get on social media and check that out we have a group called the redfish network that is ran by people within the bro staff that's what we call our listeners because everybody's pro staff um we got the bro staff so all of our listeners get in on all the the deals that we get in so we call them the bro staff but if you want to join the bro staff head over to the redfish network on facebook or Find the Paddler's Playbook on Instagram. Just search for at Paddler's Playbook. Um, Same thing on um, Facebook there. Uh, Shout out. You see my shirt here. I got my real sportswear. Um, It is a great small company uh, out of Texas that makes some 
awesome, awesome apparel. And it's geared toward anglers. Uh, this new shirt that I'm wearing is a new fabric that they have. It is the, and I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, I don't BS people. Like they look just, fly. Oh, dude, they look good. And this is the lightest material that I seriously have ever put on my body. And it's SPF 50. And I'm not joking. Like, I am dead serious. So when Andrew told me about the owner of Real Sportswear, when he told me about the new collection this year, he said, Drew, this new material is something like you have never worn. And I'm like, dude, it's a shirt. Like, how great can a shirt be? And then I saw him at the Houston Fishing Show when they dropped it, and I got the Pro Plus hoodie, and I was like, Andrew, this material is something that has, like, never graced my body before. It is the lightest. You felt like royalty Dude, there? I, I did. And <laughs> I, look, I don't use Game Changer at all because how much of a Game Changer can a shirt be? But I put it on, and I'm like, holy cow, this is seriously the most comfortable, lightest shirt that I've ever worn. So I would, I would really suggest you guys check out Real Sportswear and especially their new Pro Plus hoodie because it is legit the best shirt. If I could wear it to work every day, I would, but they would look down on me because it has a, a pocket in the front and it has a hood on the back and it has little holes in the fingers so you can like wear it as a glove um, and, and cover up your sunburned hands. But uh, shout out to Real Sportswear. Check them out. And also, Abu Garcia, Penn, Berkeley, we work with uh, Pure Fishing with the show. And Mariner Sales, man. Uh, Mariner Sales is up in your area. Duke. Duke, everybody at Mariner Sales, like, they are the best outfitter that I've I've worked with. They have the largest selection of products. And, you know, this isn't new information to everybody. But if you buy a lot of your kayak accessories at your local shop, they probably get them from Mariner Sales because Mariner Sales is one of the largest distributors of different products in the United States. So they literally have everything. So if you're anywhere close to Dallas, it is worth the trip to go there. This is how crazy, amazing Mariner Sales is. I broke my yak attack uh, safety flag because I was being an idiot. And I was like, well, crap, I'm going to have to buy another one. I go up there and... First time I ever talked to Duke in person, it's like, oh, what are you looking for? It's like, I broke my yak attack, uh, you know, safety flag. So I get to have to get another safety flag. It's like, no, you don't have to get another safety flag. They actually sell that safety flag in pieces to save you money. <laughs> yes. That is crazy. It's a safety flag. Why do you sell it in pieces? And it saved me like $20. Mm-hmm. And Duke could have just said, hey, let him buy the new one. We yeah, get let more him money. buy no, he $80 was, He was like, no, dude, let's save you the money. We sell them in pieces. I'm like, Never did it cross my mind that they would actually sell pieces of a safety flag for your kayak. Yeah. That that is crazy. They they sell every little part that is available yes. for just about everything. Like if you're going in there and you want to, you know, buy a Burley Pro um bumper pro and you want to install a fish finder, you can literally go in there, you can get your fish finder mount. You can get the stainless steel screws that you need yes. to put your your through hole 
Yak Attack, you know, system in. You can buy that system. You can buy some more screws to put your transducer. You could probably buy the adapter for the transducer. You can buy the marine goop to put on your uh to put on your Burley Pro bumper pro. Like they literally have every single thing that you can need to do a project as far as rigging is concerned, as far yeah. as everything is concerned. And because when I go there, like, I'll ask if they have something, and Duke's like, bro, really? Yeah. You're asking if I ha- Yes, I have 27 of them. Like, let's let's go get you one. So if you are around the the Dallas area, or if you're not around the Dallas area and you want My to go to too, one yeah. place, like, it is worth the trip to get everything that you need for rigging. And if you... Call sometimes you can even call the manufacturer and ask about something and they don't have it. And you call Mariner Sales and they're like, Oh, yeah, we got four of them. Like, they, yeah. they just have so much stuff in that place and so many. And everybody's kayaks. so freaking friendly. Yes. Every single person over there is in a good mood and happy to be working. They have so at least many, that's what it seems like. Yeah, they, they have so many kayaks in that place, and this is no joke. Whenever we went there um, to do some promotional stuff for the show, we flew the drone around the warehouse to get all the kayaks into the shot. And, you know, we're flying around for 10, 15 seconds just to go around the warehouse to get all of the all of the kayaks there. There's hundreds. They have two freaking they have a whole area that is normally the size of two or three kayak shops that is just Old Town. Like, that's it. They have so so much Old Town there. And uh, this is sounding like a, a big plug for them. Yeah, because no, really. One it, should, I should, one it should, is, but... I need Duke need to give me a free kayak or something. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one, it is a plug for them, but it really is. It really like is. We're the, not getting... I'm not getting paid. The Maybe best kayak paid shop I've ever <laughs> been not. in. Yeah, it is. It truly is. The friendliest people ever. So shout out to Duke Trent and everybody out there. Yeah. And then just the last thing, um, Galveston Redfish Series, you guys have heard me talk about it. If you're interested in uh, getting into a Redfish tournament, Galveston Redfish Series is a great tournament to start with. There are four events this year. Um, the first one is coming up April 15th. Um, I cannot think of I think it's June 7th is the next one. But it's uh, or May, so it's uh, April, May, June, July, and then they have a hourly tournament there at the end. But check out Galveston Redfish Series; it is a very well-run event, and it is one of the best tournament atmospheres to be in on the Gulf Coast. It's not extremely intimidating. There's not a ton of rules. Um, it's just it's a real fun time because it's put on by anglers who fish they're not Mm. in the business of doing tournaments but they happen to run a tournament so it's it's great galveston redfish series shout out to them they put on a great series last year and i will be fishing every tournament this year there you go so for those out there listening first of all thank you drew for joining us on the show we wish you the best in tournaments in your sponsorships and in in your podcast and everything you do in life you know you're always welcome to come on the show i've considered you a great friend and i'm always happy to talk with you whether it's on air or off air just you're generally just a great person and and i appreciate you taking the time to come up to the show and 
and, and share some of your stories in saltwater fishing and have this conversation. And for those out there listening, you know, we thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can share uh, the video if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. If you're listening on MP3 formats on Apple, uh, Apple TV, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please make sure you give us a review and a five-star review. We really appreciate it. It does help out the growth of the podcast. If you're going to be out there on the water fishing, please wear your PFDs. And if you're going to have a couple of beers while you're at it, just make sure you drink responsibly. Make it home back to your loved ones. This has been the real life on the Paddlers. I'm Paddlers playing on the Bass Cag and Beers podcast. Peace out, everyone. Peace. It ended.